speaking this morning on a passage that I come back to maybe nearly more than any story in, in the Gospels. And uh, I'm not the only one that's been thinking about it. Mike actually spoke on this passage on his latest Take Heart. So if you haven't listened to that, it's on Spotify, YouTube, and a great reflection and different to what I'm saying this morning. But the story is the healing of blind Bartimaeus. And we read about it in the book of Mark, chapter 10, starting at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and follow Jesus along the road. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus must have heard about Jesus' reputation. He must have heard that there was this man where wherever he went, there were miracles. Things were changing in the most wonderful ways. He must have known that because that's what caused him to call out The man of power was near. The man of miracles was passing by. And so he gives it all he can to yell out to Jesus. He knew that Jesus was powerful, but there was something that happened in the moment that he was called forward that I think must have uh, caused an incredible shift in Bartimaeus' heart. Yes, to come was the miracle of his sight, but before that, was the miracle of being called out by Jesus and being brought near. He knew that he was, he was powerful, and now what he learns is this is personal. I wonder if what he would have been content with, what he would have been happy with, is if Jesus had just kept walking on the road to Jericho. All Bartimaeus thought he needed was his sight. So Jesus could have just thrown a miracle his way. He could have caught it, received his sight and begun a whole new life. But instead, Jesus drew him near. I wonder if we know that Jesus isn't satisfied with a throwing kind of relationship with us where we just throw our prayer requests at him and he throws the occasional answer or encouragement our way. He's not content with that. He is powerful, but this is also personal. He is capable, but he is also kind. And we read in uh, Psalm 55, we're told this, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will hold you up. He will strengthen and support you. That's what Psalm tells us. And then 1 Peter in the New Testament um, brings us a new perspective on this same truth. It says this, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
In both the passages, we are told to do exactly the same thing. Throw your need on God. That's what casting is. It's not a kind of offering. It's a throw it all. Make it his problem. Cast it on him. And we're told that when we do that, he is able to make a change. He is able to sustain us. But what the Peter passage tells us is why. Why would he do that? Because he cares for you. Do we know it's not just that God can, it is also that he cares. Quite a few years ago when we were still running our summer festivals, um, and probably lots of you know, but we spent years and years running festivals throughout the whole summer for young people. And we would do five back to back and they were amazing because God met with young people in the most incredible ways. There was salvations by the hundreds upon hundreds every summer. There was healing. There was encounter with Jesus. There was freedom, amazing worship, all of that and more. And they were wonderful, but they were also pretty knackering for those of us that were involved in, you know, working there. And it was the very last day of the very last event for one particular summer. That morning, my parents had taken my kids back home and I had the afternoon to pack up the little cabin where we stayed uh, on the campsite. And as I was walking back to my cabin, feeling quite weary... I prayed a strange prayer. Um, It's not one I've prayed before or since. I don't even, I didn't understand the language even at the time. I just said, God, I would love a love note from you. A love note. I mean, who even asked for that? What even is that? I mean, I've never wanted a love note from anyone, let alone the King of Kings, but I mentioned it to him that I would like that. I got back to the cabin, didn't think too much of it. I was cleaning up, and as I went to pack up my coffee machine, which is an essential piece of equipment for such a time as that, as I was packing up, and I, I pulled out the drawer where the coffee grounds were, and in it was this perfectly formed heart. And I was like, oh, that's, that's really lovely. I guess that's my love note. Thank you, Jesus. And I just carried on. And then later that night, headed to the main meeting, and just before it started... A complete stranger came up and handed me a note and then they went away. And the note wasn't addressed to me from them. It was to me from God. That's how they wrote it. To Ali, a love note from God. And the King of Kings, who was at work in incredible ways in thousands of people's lives, heard this little prayer from one of his children whom he loves. And he said, a love note, I can do that. I'll do that for you. And this letter was just full of love and encouragement from my father. And obviously I still have it. He is the God of the big. He is the God of the miraculous, but he is also the God of the intimate. And I just wonder, is there one of those aspects of him that you've lost sight of? It might be that you've got no problem acknowledging that he's powerful. When you look at creation and you see just the wonder of that and you've got no problem praying to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and recognising that he is the miracle worker. But maybe there's just a little part of you that has forgotten that it's also about you, that he loves you, that he cares for you. That in the same way he came and brought Bartimaeus near, his heart for you is to draw you near and ask, what do you want me to do for you? Or maybe you're comfortable with that idea, 
the bit that you've maybe lost sight of or gotten a bit heart weary over is that he is the God of power. He is the God of the impossible. He is the one who can make real change. Nothing is impossible for God. But it might just be that there is stuff in your life that you've prayed about and you've not seen it happen. Really tough stuff. And so it's just been easier to slightly put to one side his power and just stick to the fact that he is your friend. But he is both powerful and this is personal. He is capable and he is kind. And in this Advent season, as we really do focus on his coming, it's a great time to hold both truths. That yes, he is the King of Kings, but he came to earth as a baby to be Emmanuel, God with us. And for Bartimaeus, he encountered his power, but he also, he knew intimacy in that moment. What do you want me to do for you? So Jesus asked that killer question, what do you want me to do for you? And um, we can't know how, how uh, Bartimaeus replied. We can't know his tone of voice, his intonation. Here's what I imagine, though, that having spent himself on yelling and then yelling even more when he was told to be quiet, that suddenly, now as Jesus asked the question, I imagine his response comes out as a deep sigh. When Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? It's, Rabbi, I want to see like, that is my one request. I want to see. And in the Bible, we come across all sorts of people who offered their prayers of deepest longing to God. Hannah, in the book of 1 Samuel, who wept bitterly for a son. David, the great king of Israel, who, uh, what he asked of the Lord was that he said this, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That was his one big request. Or a really simple prayer, but still a deep longing was the thief on the cross, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. These are the big, like once in a lifetime prayers. They're sometimes the prayers that are formed, like almost the theme of our life that we come back to again and again, that we're not um, content with just giving them once. They come back. And when I was listening to Mike's take heart on this passage, he shared um, a prayer that he prayed when he become, became a youth leader like 40 years ago. And he said something along the lines of, Lord, by the time I'm old and grey, might there be men and women all over the place who are serving you and I would know I had some part to play in their story. And what he talked about was that, I mean, that was 40 years ago, but that now he's seen some of what God has done where he's been able to play a, play a part in encouraging and championing and loving leaders as they seek to serve God. It was the deep, a deep prayer from Mike's heart. And I wonder if you can think of those things in your life that they're not necessarily the things that you kind of exhaust yourself over praying every single day, but they are the deep longings. It might be, um, Lord, I long for a child. I long to see that person in my family come to know you. I long for healing. 
I long to see you use me, God, in this way or that way. They're the prayers that come, like with Bartimaeus, from that deep place of desperation, knowing that you can't do anything about the outcome. It's not a quick prayer that you pray and then you try and go and work it out. It's, if you don't do this, God, there is no answer. And again, I would just ask, is there anything that you've maybe taken off the table with God, that you prayed it once, but you haven't seen it? Sometimes these prayers, they are the long game. And I just encourage you, just offer that prayer again. Tell him it's still your heart. It's still what you're longing for. Don't take it off the table with him. I think one of the things that we can draw out is we can, from this passage is we can bring our deepest longings to God. But let's not forget that we are also taught by Jesus to pray for our daily needs. When he was teaching his followers how to pray, he taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. And that is just as important, bringing our daily needs to him as our deepest sighs and our deepest longings. And I remember a few months ago, Andy was talking and he just sort of threw out this idea that he would come before God every morning with his big bag of need. And just bringing his big bag of need to Jesus. And I just, I don't know why, but that language or that picture just, I resonated with it. I feel like I spend most of my life feeling like a big bag of need. And I've adopted that prayer every day. There's just the joy of being helpless almost, of saying, here is my big bag of need. Here are the things today that I can't get my head around or I don't know how to get that job done or I need wisdom for this conversation. My daily bread prayers. And I want to really encourage you just to not be satisfied with an acquaintance relationship with Jesus. An acquaintance will ask you, how are you? And you'll just trot out, I'm fine, thanks you. But those people who are in your, you know, your inner circle, those ones who really know you and you know them, when they ask you, it's a much longer conversation and the detail is in, you know, in there. This is what's going on. This is where I'm struggling. This is what I need. And if they would then say, what can I do to help? For those real close relationships, you would say this. Bring your deepest longings to Jesus. But know, because he is both powerful and this is personal, that you can bring the big impossible prayers, but you can also bring just your daily needs because he's for you and he loves you and he cares for you. And then as Jesus asked Bartimaeus the killer question, what do you want me to do for you? I think his reply is one that it's really worth us thinking about adopting. He said, Rabbi, I want to see. And I would say, as a simple prayer goes, there's a lot in that. Rabbi, I want to see. Rabbi, I want to see me, but more importantly, I want to see you. Let's just quickly look first at Rabbi, I want to see me. I um, used to be really, 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 times quite a lot, messy. And uh, when I was a teenager living at home, it was impossible to ever see my bedroom floor. You wouldn't have known what colour my carpet was because it was, my parents are here and they are nodding sincerely in this moment. Um, you couldn't see the floor. There was makeup, there was hair products and there were um, books and there were clothes that should have gone in the dirty laundry bin and there were clothes that should have gone back into my wardrobe and hung up all neatly and everything. But that was never the case with me. Could not see my floor. 
And when I was revising for my GCSEs, you add into that a lot of textbooks, which is what they had in those days. No one seems to have textbooks anymore. That makes me sound ancient, but I'm always looking in my son's bag for where his books are, but they just do it on Google now. Anyway, textbooks everywhere, folders everywhere. I'm home alone one day revising, and there's a knock at the door, and this man says, I've come to read your electricity meter. Now, I know that the electricity meter is in my room because my room was literally by the front door. Here's the front door, here's my room. I know where it is, but I don't want him coming in my room because it's horrible. So I just went, I'm not suggesting this is a good thing, but I lied. I said, I'm really sorry, I don't know where that is. And he was like, oh, that's okay. That's my job to know. And I was like, okay, you better come in then. And he was like, well, now that I know you're here and that I can come in, I'm just going to nip back to my van and get my stuff. So he went back up to his van, up this little street thing, and while he was gone, I was like, brilliant, you know, I've now got some time on my hands, so I quickly ran into my room, lifted the duvet, and started shoving rubbish under my duvet, shoving, 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 shoving. I hear him walking back, so I haven't done it all, but I've done a little bit, so I smooth the duvet down and go back, hello, come on in, and so he puts his folder and his bag down, and then he says, can I use your loo? And I'm like, yes, you can use my loo, this is going to give me a couple more moments. So I show him to the loo, and as he's in the loo, I run back and shove, 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 smooth, 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 out he comes, and then I'm ready. I was a minister's kid, so I was like, can I make you a cup of tea? And he said, oh, that would be lovely. So off I go to the kitchen to make him a cup of tea. And instead of going in to do whatever he needed to do to the, I mean, seriously, I've seen people read meters in like two seconds. I don't know what was going on here. But anyway, he starts like wandering around. And I see him come out of my room and in the hallway, back to the bathroom where he'd just been. And so I say, excuse me, are you okay? And he said, yeah, it's just really weird because I bought a blue folder in with me and now I can't find it anywhere. (laughs) And so I was like, um... I think I might know where that is. (laughs) And so we go into my bedroom together and I pull back the duvet to where basically hell has exploded and I just sort of go, is this yours? (laughs) And that is a metaphor for our lives. (laughs) Basically, there's all kinds of stuff just in the chaos and the busyness of life that we don't know what to do with it. Maybe a little hurt or a big hurt Maybe something that actually in our heart of hearts we know we need to bring before the Lord and ask him for his forgiveness. Maybe there's some stuff that we're trying to process and think through, but we don't get the time and so we just shove it all to one side, all to one side, smooth over the duvet and leave it for another day. The trouble is, in the same way that actually if anyone had looked at my duvet, though it was very clear there was stuff underneath it, in the same way in our lives, It's very obvious. It comes out in our emotion. It comes out in our reactions. It comes out in the amount of stress that we carry and the distance sometimes between us and God. The idea of pulling back the duvet is like, I don't quite know what's going to be there. I don't even know where to begin. Rabbi, I want to see There's a brilliant line in Anglican liturgy where the priest stands before the congregation and says, lift up your hearts. And the congregation says, we lift them to the Lord. We sang this morning, to you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. Lift up the duvet. In Psalm 139, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Rabbi, I want to see.
I'd rather see with you where you can speak truth, where you can bring forgiveness, where you can help me understand the inner turnings. Would you come and show me and do it with me? And then finally, Rabbi, I want to see you. I think it's amazing that when Bartimaeus received his sight, in that moment, the first thing he saw was not like the amazing blue sky or the trees or the crowd or the the ground. The very first thing he would have seen is the face of love himself, Jesus. Can you imagine how incredible that would have been that the very first time your eyes work, you see love, you see grace, you see mercy, you see kindness. No wonder Bartimaeus followed him down the road. That's what he said. He received his sight and he followed Jesus down the road. It would have been like the most natural response, like, I'm going wherever you're going. I want to see that face again more, please. I want to be where you are. He followed him down the road. The trouble is, so often for us, is that what we try and do on a daily basis is follow Jesus down the road and hope to catch a glimpse of him somewhere along the way. And instead, what we want to do is see him first. Not just once. Do you remember the very first time you understood the good news that your sins were forgiven? that the King of Heaven called you by name, that you realised that you were loved, that he was showing you grace and mercy. We can know that afresh every single day. We can come face to face with love before we do anything else. There's this brilliant quote from that book that I know we've mentioned quite a few times, Gentle and Lowly. Brilliant quote that says this, there are two ways to live the Christian life. You can live it either for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. You can live for the smile of God or from it. For an identity as a son or daughter of God or from it. You can either live following him down the road and hoping that he meets you in the busyness or you can see his face. Know that you're loved. Know that he Things that you are worth coming to heaven for, dying on the cross for, and he is preparing a place for you in heaven. And if you have never heard that before, if you've never heard that you have a saviour who knows your name, um, well, then I'd love to help introduce you to him this morning or at least tell you more. Jesus stopped in his tracks for Bartimaeus. He called him near. What do you want me to do for you? And in that moment, Bartimaeus knew that he was both powerful and that this was personal. And I want to encourage you, in the light of that, bring your deepest longings and your daily needs and pray as often as you remember, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see me. But more than anything, I want to see you, not just once, however many years ago, but every day I want to see you and then I want to follow you. Amen.